How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode four of the Sandman Universe Gatherum here at the Chris and Reggie channel. Don't really have anything witty to say about this week's blot of books. Uh, not that that's uh, stopped me before. Uh, what we do have is, uh, you know, the same four books as always. Just bump them up a number each. We're going to start with Lucifer, issue number three. That originally aired on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast on December 23rd, 2018. Then, Books of Magic number 3. That originally aired on January 6th, 2019. From there, we go into The Dreaming number 5, which originally aired on January 13th, 2019. And then we'll wrap it all up with House of Whispers number 5, which originally aired on January 20th, 2019. We hope you're all enjoying this look into the uh, the Dreaming and the Sandman universe, and uh, hope to see you again next week. See ya! To the Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And just in time for the Christmas season, we have one holiday themed comic book for you. Which one is that, Chris? It's the one starring the devil. Hey! It's, uh, it's <laughs> Lucifer number three. It's called Dense and Macabre, 10 out of 10. Oh! oh wait, no, that's, not the, that's, that's not the name of the that book. That was your review uh, of it. That's what, that's what you got mistaken. Yes, yeah, send me free things, DC. Um, <laughs> and retweet me a lot. Please. No, no, yes. the, actual, the actual title of this book is The Annulment of Heaven and Hell, written by Dan Waters with art by Max and Sebastian Fiumara, Dave McKegg, and Steve Wands. Uh, we open in the wherever the hell, that's that little village, yeah. uh, that uh, I, I I was gonna I had a, a perfect adjective for it but I, I can't think of it now. Oh no, it's a Dutch village or something. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. It's a little cottagey village yeah. where Lucifer, this is the Alan Moore looking one, he's sitting on his couch and he's in a pretty bad way. His legs are all torn up and bandaged, and he uh, laments that though he was once a shaper of universes, he now needs bandages to cover his wounds. He can't heal himself anymore. Mm. Uh, his whinging is interrupted by the arrival of William Blake, the mad poet. I, I don't know if this is someone who who we've seen, who we would have seen before in earlier volumes, or oh, I mean, this this is a a, a guy from uh, is he a literary type? The of literary character, literary figure. Okay. He actually was a real poet from the uh, late nineteenth century in England, okay. um, and uh, he, I believe, he did write poems involving Satan. How about that and such. Well, 
He's got Lucifer's shovel with him, and he uh, informs him that the people outside really miss him. Lucifer listens while playing with a shard of broken glass, uh, with which he chops off a couple of his fingers. Lucifer is attended to by his keeper. I don't know if we got a name for her yet. I don't yet. think we ever did. Maybe, yeah. but Maybe. the woman. The woman. <laughs> the woman who uh, who was feeding him soup a co- or oatmeal yeah. a couple of uh, right. issues ago. Uh, now he he's attended to by her as Blake continues making his appeal. And uh, before we shift scenes, Blake breaks his walking stick, his own walking stick, over his knee. And uh, we jump over to the relatively more mundane world and meet up with John Decker. He wakes up at Gately House, and he thinks about his late wife, and he also recounts some of the symptoms she showed uh, with her brain tumor, you know, smelling things that weren't really there. Mm. Um, he also, uh, we also, I, I can't remember if we learned this before, but Decker himself was diagnosed with cancer the day before. I, I don't know if... I seem to I recall in the first issue he, he gets some bad news, but I don't think we... It we, wasn't expounded, expanded. Yeah, I think yeah. we see more his reaction to a to some sort of diagnosis, and here sure. I guess we're finding out that it's cancer, but, uh, you know, that's rough. That is rough, buddy, let me tell you. Um, so Decker gets himself dressed and heads out of his room. And in the hallway, he hears some muffled dialogue coming from a different room. And inside that room, the dialogue is just as muffled. It doesn't get any clearer. Yep. The woman uh, speaking is wearing a mask. And it's really frustrating to read, to decipher what she's uh, trying to say. They, You have to see it. To, I, I don't want to say what she's saying because it's just be frustrating to hear. But you have to see yeah. it. Like You really have to like read it several times to, to figure out what she's saying. Uh, and I mean, that's gotta be the point, obviously, but it's it's a bad idea. It just slows down the pace of the book. You know what I mean? You know, you shouldn't have to linger over that to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, get a single word in a caption, just trying to decipher it. It, It's it's a bad idea. It's not good. A little too cute. So, uh, she's speaking to Caliban, who's, uh, bowed after a, who's bowing before a small altar with a skull on it. And he's brought flowers for her, quote-unquote, the uh, skull, we have to think. Uh, Caliban places the vase of flowers on the floor, and they instantly die. We learn that he and the muffled masked woman both seek Lucifer's return. Also, that Decker might be the key to that happening. And Decker overhears this, and he's like, yeah, and he beelines yeah. it down the stairs. Very Scooby-Doo style, you know. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, Decker gets downstairs, and he looks into the common area of Gately House to see some folks napping and playing cards. They suddenly change into demonic figures, though they're still <laughs> napping and playing cards. <laughs> Uh, I, like, I like the one demon with the like the newspaper on his lap. He's just like he's got like, like a big skull monster head. He's just knocked out. That's all. <laughs> uh, Penny's cousin, who uh, Decker had come to visit, his name is Robert. He comes up behind him and places his hand over his mouth so he doesn't scream out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells John that he was warned that this place wasn't for him. Well, at the same time, kind of pretending not to know what he's talking about when John mentions, you know, the demons. Right. Uh, so uh, kind of talking out both ends here. Uh, Robert gives John a necklace that has the same uh, symbol that Penny drew on the car window in the first issue and also the same one that Lucifer carved into his chest during uh, John's hallucination in the right. first issue. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing this is kind of like a sigil of sorts. This, uh, this is obviously what... some kind of binding yeah, sigil. That's yes. gonna, it figures in import, importantly here, yeah. Yeah, because Robert claims that this will protect him from them. Uh, and then he sends John off to a motel where he promises to meet up with him the following day. So hopefully uh, hopefully that'll be next issue and we'll get a little bit more uh, of exposition there. Yeah. 
Uh, we jump back to the wherever the hell, uh, and William Blake is wrapping his hands with leather straps, and he brandishes both pieces of his broken walking stick. Then we jump into a Blake flashback, where he is accusing a man named Thomas Stothgard of plagiarism. The dude basically tells him to screw off, uh, and even kind of flips the accusation back at him. Uh, Blake's, Blake starts talking about visions he's had of some sort of a prophecy. Uh, Stothard is unimpressed, and he dismisses the notion and just walks away. Blake takes to the streets where he's approached by a creep with a top hat. And I'm guessing this is where uh, Blake makes some sort of a deal with the devil, right? Yeah, well, it looks like the deal, the devil's trying to make a deal with, with Blake, but you actually get the impression that he's uh, recalcitrant. Um, mm. and, and in the end, he... he... It's unclear what he, exactly whether he does or not. To, as far if as it I'm was concerned. forced on him or if he accepted, yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens here? He rushes home to get to work. Uh, where he labors over his next book. Uh, his wife Catherine tries to assist, but he refuses her help because, come on, a woman writing in the 19th <laughs> century. Yeah. Uh, he claims the visions are too poisoned; doesn't want her infected by them. This muse takes over his life, and he sloughs off playing uh, any paying work. To attend to it, although though producing nothing of any substance while he's uh, working on this new tome. Finally, he realized the story will be written in blood and stood before his blank page. He commits seppuku, it cuts open his guts, blood gushes onto the pages just as Catherine rushes into the room. Blake smashes a lit lantern onto the book, which engulfs it in flames, and then he dies. And this book would become the annulment of heaven and hell, uh, which I believe is a book of his, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, no. Lucifer appears to be pleased to now have it. So, my my impression is, I, I don't know, I don't know whether he got Yates' soul, but it's the book that he wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Yates' soul is in the book, but he's hanging out with Lucifer. I don't know what the deal is, Chris. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, something happened here. Uh, a book written in blood exists now. Yes. Um, back in the and pr- flame. And flame, Blood you know. Flame, I yes. kind of like that too because it kind of reminded me of like those old uh, science kits where you have you draw an invisible ink, right? Yep. Yeah, with the lemon, the lemon juice, and you got the lemon juice. Put flame on. I was like, oh, you put nice. it under a light. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, back in the present of wherever the hell they are, uh, maybe it's hell. We don't know. Uh, Blake is bracing Lucifer's broken legs with the pieces of his cane, which, frankly, we all expect. The minute he broke the cane, right? Yeah, you you knew that was coming. Uh, and also, he's giving this whole time. Blake is giving him kind of a pep talk of just like you know, we are we are men of uh, hale and hearty stature and whatever, and we do our thing. So he helps uh, Lucifer to his feet out of the house, and they pass by a pile of books, and one of them is the annulment of heaven and hell. Look at that! Lucifer's keeper walks by and notices the book. Now Lucifer and Blake head over to that gravesite from last issue, where another giant stone face is partially uncovered. Lucifer heads off with, to get a pail of water to loosen the dirt so they can, you know, finish uncovering the face, I suppose. Uh, back inside, Lucifer's attendant opens the annulment of heaven and hell and finds that the story that we're reading is actually part of that book. Mm. She seems displeased to see herself reading the book in the book. It's uh, basically <laughs> like a like one of those, you know, uh, endless mirrors. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just... She's reading a book and there's a picture of her. Reading, reading the book. book, which has a yeah. picture of her, it goes on and on infinitely. Yeah. <laughs> now, the book also warns of a particular devil. Uh, outside, Blake is digging when he's approached by that particular devil. This is that same creep in the top hat named Jack. Mm. Uh, when Lucifer returns with the water, he finds Blake has been crucified on, at the gravesite. Uh, we wrap up in the same place from the previous issues uh, with a clean-cut Lucifer and Caliban stood before the frescoes. 
Uh, Lucifer scatters the bones and organs of Caliban's mother, who uh, I guess we kind of met last issue. Yeah. Uh, Caliban ain't pleased by this, but Lucifer promises him that this was just flesh and bone, and that his mother's spirit was actually nowhere near. Uh, He tells Caliban uh, that he has to make sacrifices, which looks to be maybe a suggestion from that demon in the top hat, Jack. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. If I knew what Jack's purpose was, he he sort of seems maybe like a a puckish character, but yeah. Well, um, if Jack, I I thought that Jack might be Lucifer was when he approached Blake, like he showed him something that kind of looked like a demonic Lucifer. It's just I, well, it's that's what weird. we thought. We we thought that um, last issue, last issue also, and and yeah. I I might think well maybe he's an aspect of Lucifer, right? Like one of his takes or whatever, but. There, there he is. It looks like he's on Lucifer's shoulder at the end, whispering, uh, you know, suggestion. Something. Yeah. So, uh, what is is this guy? What is going on? And that really is basically how I feel about this book. What is happening? Yeah. Why is it happening? Um, it's long past time for us to find out what the hell is going on. Really, you know what I mean? Uh, it's really, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, you know, there's obviously something between uh, what the hell's name, Parker, right? No? Decker. Decker. Obviously, you know, he's in this uh, demonic hospital or whatever, and that's, uh, it's just, there's nothing developed there, you know what I mean? There's nothing for yeah. me to, to, for me, there's no mystery for us to uncover, there's no no file folder that's been found, uh, it's just like we're wandering around in a dream or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your take on it? Oh, boy. Um, I think there's a lot of neat uh, ideas here. Um, the book suffers tremendously with transitions because you don't know when and where you're going mm-hmm. ever. And, you know, just like with the muffled woman, I, I, is that the point? I mean, are we supposed to be disoriented? Because if that's the case, that doesn't work in serialized comics. No, it's not. It's it's overboard. There are other ways, we talked about this, that you could you could get that across. Yeah. Uh, I mean, still making it difficult, was... but not making sure. it so... Uh, uh, impossible. So obscure, yeah, it's yeah. so like, weird. Like if this was a like a gra- original graphic novel or something, sure, be as be as uh, you know ethereal and weird as you need to be in the beginning, because you're going to get an answer at the end. But here it's just month. We this is the third month, and we're just like what? Yeah, it's and and it's it's one of the, and I might be projecting here, but this feels like one of those books where if you don't like it, people just dismiss you as not understanding it. And uh, sure, I'll take that rap. I don't understand this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I grew up a I grew up a, Grant, a fan of Grant Morrison, so I'm used to that uh, that little insult being that slung around. Sure, sure, so uh, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> so uh, it's I just don't get this. I uh, uh, sometimes you get very angry at a book, and it makes it easy to write about. But when I was trying to write this review on the site. I was lost. It's like, what yeah. do you say? I'm not mad at it. I'm just confused by it. But how many times can I write? This is confusing. It's having you know? storytelling issues, though. You know, and and that's sure. fundamental to a comic. That whether now you know now we get away from whether the story is good or bad. Now we're just having trouble reading it, and that's not ever good. You know what I mean? No. Uh, like the you know a million things you could do to to differentiate between Lucifer's village and the real world without just like kind of making it such a hard 
jump all the time, either captions or, or coloring or colors. Paneling. Yeah, a million ways you could do it. They don't they don't do any of it. You kind of figure out a page in. You're like, oh, I'm 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 so here I'm, now. I'm here now. Okay, and yeah. you know, it's, it's not like it breaks your heart. But like, for example, as a matter of fact, that whole thing with Caliban and uh, the the mass faced woman, I didn't quite catch on. They were in the same place as Decker, really. For sure. For like a panel yeah. or two. I was like, oh, oh, all right. I was like, oh. Yeah, man. we're somewhere else now. I was like, yeah. oh, he's he's looking in there. Like, I, I didn't know where the hell we were. And, and I find myself feeling that way a lot throughout of it. And, and, and of course, like you said, the way they chose to do the muffling, that, that, I think that's a big problem in just basic storytelling. There's nothing really wrong yeah. with the rendering of art. I, I wouldn't call it my favorite, but I have no complaints about it. You know what sure. I mean? It's fine. It uh, does the job. For, the, for this genre, you know what I mean? I, don't, I have no real thing about it but the plotting is suffering a little bit here and uh that's that's like to me that's a fundamentally don't go that way you know <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta be cre- you gotta be clear in your storytelling yeah so um what'd you give it on the site what'd you think of it uh 10 out of 10 10 oh, okay count. very good so oh. we'll be <laughs> no, I, I gave you this, the uh... Uh, graphic novels where's it go i gave this a six out of ten uh i i i couldn't give it much less than that but uh I didn't enjoy it. I really yeah. didn't enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I think when you, when you see, when you judge a comic by whether or not you're excited about the next issue, I, I hope this next issue doesn't ever come out. It's becoming, <laughs> it's becoming something to dread, which is, which is, it's a you, chore. you yeah. never want to do, you know, you never want that to be when you're, uh, reviewing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then I, I mean, important. people, people who have followed us for a few years now know that we, we were not big fans of the early issues of mother panic over right. at young animal. But at least those made sense. Yeah, you know, sure. it's like there was a, there was an actually a I remember the a... very very first couple where really did kind of have us wondering. Well, they had those weird symbols in That's there, but other was, than that, yeah. the story was uh, the story was linear. Yeah. And uh, even though we didn't like it, we could actually describe it. And this is just this is like a puzzle box. It's and not 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 interesting enough to make me want to dig. Like even that William Blake thing, I could have googled that. Right. Just didn't care. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's uh, yeah. you know, at the yeah, beginning, you, you don't need, to, you don't really need to for those scenes. The weird, the weird thing is, we were saying before we recorded, is that in the first issue, we were having a lot of trouble with what was going on with Lucifer, but we felt like we were understanding Decker's story, which really was the story of a man kind of losing his, uh, you know, family, his his reality or whatever. Uh, now it's flipped. Now I feel a little more comfortable in the Lucifer <laughs> world than like, uh, what is happening in the Gately. House yeah. over, you know. I think I would probably come in on this, you know, after talk, when I read it, I was actually the same place as you, but talking about it and thinking about these fundamental comic book problems, uh, I'm going to come in at a 5.5, wow, okay. uh, which is, you know, you know, a, a sliver of a difference anyway from what yeah. you, you had. <laughs> but it, you know, this is this is definitely goes to the level of don't buy. It's not something to support because it's it's not doing the basic things a comic book should. Uh, you know, being clear in its storytelling and its settings you know it's um it has troubles it's having trouble that's all i'm telling you for sure uh but good news next we do have a book that we are both enjoying in a couple of weeks that's two weeks yes (laughs) we have the next issue of books of magic uh uh, everybody the whole dc the whole uh comic distribution uh outfit is taking a vacation next week yeah uh, that includes the sandman universe that's right uh... so we 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 won't be on next week's episode uh which i of weird science but i believe is some big new year's to do i don't know what i don't know what they've got planned but they're doing Mm. something for new year's but uh we'll be back the week after to talk about Books of Magic 3, right? Or is it 
Yeah, it it's is, three. Yep. It's three. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something we are looking forward to. So for sure, that'll be cool. So definitely, everybody have a uh, lovely Christmas, New Year's, uh, what what have you? Be safe. Um, Chris has no uh, feelings about that one way or the other, but <laughs> of course I do. I, <laughs> I, I want everyone to feel good. Yeah, I just wasn't going to interrupt you. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I did enough of that this week. That's fine. Uh, but uh, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris got anything else for him? Nope, just a merry, merry, and happy, happy. That's beautiful. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it sandy. <laughs> See ya next year. Something's wrong because my mind is fading. And everywhere I look, there's a dead end waiting. Temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis. Stealing kisses from the leprous faces. to the Sandman Universe segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have one book to read for you today. What is that, Chris? I'm not even sure it was an entire book this month, no. uh, this week. <laughs> we got uh, a holdover from last year because uh, the uh, distribution took the week off. So That's we have right. Books of Magic number three. <laughs> Story is called In Memoriam by Cat Howard, Tom Fowler, Jordan Boyd, and Todd Klein. Also, four editors, because uh, so much happens in this right. story. Uh, we need four editors to keep this straight. I, I wouldn't. I, I, can we get a job? Can we get that? Probably. Man, at least as an we, assistant. I'll tell you what. I'll sure. tell you one thing, Chris. I didn't detect any spelling errors, so maybe that's well, what Well, this takes. isn't the Marvel. <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> now, uh, we, we open up our issue with those three witches that uh, hung around the hobo fire. Uh, they're reliving the events of last issue. Uh, if you remember... Tim uh, turned his he, he turned his screwdriver into a wand, basically, and he followed it into an alley where he was trying to find his mother, and he found himself surrounded by some cloaks in in uh some folks in cloaks, basically. There you go. <laughs> and uh, Tim uh, subsequently smited them with his wand, uh, and these uh, witches see that Tim is capable of killing, and that ain't what they wanted to see. Uh, so they say that the boy magician must die. Speaking of the boy magician, we join him counting literal sheep while he's trying to fall asleep. Uh, he keeps thinking back to that little event in the alley as well, and it looks like his acts have uh, profoundly affected him. The last issue, it seemed like he just brushed it off. It's like, yeah, maybe he's him. A... okay, gonna leave. Now he had the chance to dwell on it a bit. Maybe it's uh, it's, yes. it's hitting him hard. Who knows? <laughs> 
And then morning comes, and he heads off into the park. All the while, he's practicing with that yo-yo that uh, Hetty had given right. him a couple issues ago. Uh, he's doing so because Dr. Rose told him to keep up his concentration. So he's he's counting how many times he's doing the yo-yo. He's keeping very, very firm grasp on what he's doing. Uh, while in the park, he runs into Hetty, and he gives her a space taxi toy. Uh, she digs into her treasures for something she might give him in exchange, but he tells her not to worry about it. It was a gift, not a trade. Uh she gives him a gross peck on the cheek, regardless. I know, really. It's like I told you, it was. It's yeah. a gift. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I didn't need that. Uh, so now at school, Tim runs into his classmate Ellie. She tells him that Mr. Brisby, that's the literature literature teacher who was mentioned as being missing in the first issue. Uh, not that we'd get a footnote to remind us of that, but we're telling you that because it, that's who he is. Uh, he was found. <clears throat> excuse me, and he's dead. Tim is briefly shaken but smiles when he hears that the school will be holding a memorial for the man. Uh, they got over this pretty fast. Are they probably deal- both smiling? They probably do. They probably deal with this three to four times a year. You got to figure. You know, this is a kind of creepy <laughs> yeah, place. It is. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. During the day, Tim has a meeting with Doctor Rose, and she insists that he keeps up his focus and not slack on his sleep. Tim lashes out because he killed all those folks in the alley. Uh, Doctor Rose is unimpressed by that, so Tim apologizes to her. He tells Rose that the whole reason he's even interested in the boy magician thing is to save his mother. And this is all new information to Dr. Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells Tim not to worry about what happened in the alley. After all, he was just doing what he had to in order to defend himself. And then the, the, the panel gets weird, like in the foreground or maybe in the next room over. Yeah. We see Mr. Brisby, that dead literature teacher, with a pen shoved in his ear. I don't know if that's really there or if it's... I kind of I, I, I felt like it was in like the in her mind or whatever like maybe something yeah, like that just, but it is sort of expressed it looks like he's in the wall but who knows maybe he is. <laughs> it does he might be yeah. uh, now Rose tells Tim to take the rest of the day off just go home catch up on your sleep uh, Tim's not feeling that though because he wants to stick around for this memorial. And so he does. He attends this memorial, and he even sheds a few tears on the way out. We have that dickhead bully who he's been running in with the past sure. couple issues. He razzes him about crying. And then Tim has like a, it's not really a smart answer for him, but he says like, he's like, well, go ahead and tell on me then. But it really pisses the bully off. I, I don't know what the, where the oomph was for this. Yeah, uh, but but, this but bullies change. do hate when you take them up on you, when you, when you call their bluffs, <laughs> you, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, like, whoa, whoa, I didn't, I didn't expect that. <laughs> But he, like, didn't even look shocked. He just looked, like, really, really mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> later on, we rejoined Tim, who's in bed. He's still practicing with his yo-yo, and he focuses on something that might protect him from his nightmares, and so his guardian owl shows up. And just like that, Tim's not scared anymore. All right. Then... We're not even, we're at the end of the issue now. Uh, we wrap up with Dr. Rose. It looks like she is responsible for the death of Mr. Brisby because she is now speaking to his skull. That's right. She's doing a little Hamlet right there. Yeah. Which also, which, which does uh, give credence to the idea that he's in the wall he's behind a literary her, teacher. her, her <laughs> office. Yeah, that's true. He is a literary teacher. He, he would appreciate that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's still, you know. I get the impression she did kill him, or at least she she clearly knows he's dead and, and did, isn't yeah. telling. So yeah, she knows something about it. Um, yeah, there was uh, this was all right, huh? This was not a bad thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, what there was of it was decent, but there just wasn't much of it. No, it really was a very really thin issue. Uh, sort of. I liked a lot of the things, like the the counting the literal sheep was kind of cute. That was neat, yeah. Uh, and I like some of the trappings of, you know, the usual magic stuff. Uh, but it really did just reiterate a lot of the stuff that we've gotten, which, 
it's useful don't get me wrong a lot of times you know you get to the fifth issue you're like you forgot half the stuff they introduced in the first but well i didn't remember that mr brisby was even a thing we've we've heard of right. uh, a couple issues before until you having to go back in time here i, just... I, I wonder if they don't if, if vertigo has a we don't do captions editorial captions policy because that was a perfect opportunity to just drop yeah, it's right funny because like it's i don't know if we're like just too cool for school now where we right. can't do that kind of thing it's it's like one of the last holdovers from the bill jemis era of marvel he, yeah. like, he was he was so against captions he was so against the thought balloons because you know that that wasn't the cool thing anymore and uh even though we're so much more enlightened than we were back in the bill jemis days that's <laughs> one that's a holdover that's still here and i don't know why <laughs> What would it have hurt to say even – I mean, we know that these are written for the trade. Right. So take the damn take caption out. out when you put it in the when the, put it in the trade. Especially but, nowadays, digitally, you can do course. it in a second. You know, it's like it's, sure. it's not a matter of pasting and, and, and white ink and whatever else. Exactly. So, uh, but, but put it here for us. Put it sure. here for anybody who happens to wander off the street and buy this one first. I mean, quite, quite frankly, help us out. Quite frankly, if if you left it in for the trade, would that really be a horror? Would the, it wouldn't the, hurt anybody. Would the reader yeah. like be so blown away they wouldn't know what the hell to do with themselves, or would they? Uh, am I out? reading a comic book? Exactly. Oh, this was a graphic Whoa, novel. Whoa, you know. But, oh. uh, but but regardless, you know, I'll tell you. I, like I say, I'm not sure what the policy is to Vertigo. Uh, in the DCU, I know they do it, but it's intermittent. They do it a lot. Really, um, yeah. They do it a lot, but but not. They're in the same issue. They they'll they'll refer to one instance, but then they'll leave another one ambiguous. So true. Very, there, very there's true. no obviously no uniform <laughs> approach. <laughs> if to they the can't thing. tie it back to metal, they that's don't a, do that's it. what it is. <laughs> All roads lead to metal in the in the DCU <laughs> right now. But as far as uh, over the Sandman universe, uh, yeah, I would have appreciated that. Uh, even though this did give us a lot of kind of a recapish stuff. I, I still felt like it's just kind of an empty, flat issue. Didn't really do a whole lot for me. And for the price, five bucks, right? Four bucks? Or, you know, even even if this was a $3 book, you're not getting it. enough you're for it. You're not getting it. enough out of it. It's, uh, you know, the the technical aspects are all there. There's just It's just too little of a too story yeah. to justify getting it quite frankly uh i don't know what's happened to i mean we've talked about pacing and how that's changed over the years but i mean right. this is just like this is a burp this isn't even like a half a chapter yeah. this is this is just a burp on the page and uh i don't know i i, I could not ever tell anybody to spend four dollars on this yeah as much as i like the character and i like the trappings this is not four dollars worth of entertainment. I got the impression you probably could walk in right to the next issue. You know what I mean? If because this has been pretty good at that, bringing you back up to speed. Sure. So you know, if you, if you are looking to collect on a budget, although the problem is, you know, Chris, no one would ever do what I'm talking about and not get the, <laughs> if you bought the first two and you like them, you know, you're going to get the third, even if it's disappointing. <laughs> and that is what we call show business. But anyway, uh, in the end, though, yeah, I mean, I. I I can't bag on it. It's it's the quality is there. You know, it's it's not a bad quality book. It's just short. That's all. It's just not enough minutes of engagement per dollar spent. That's all. That's really all I have to say about it. Could have uh, put the the dead teacher. We we could have removed a little bit of the uh, of the bloat last issue and dropped this thing about the the dead teacher in the end of that issue. Yeah. And we wouldn't have missed anything. We wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah. And like, you, and you would have at least you know you reiterated something. Sure. Issue, and you would have brought you, you know, you would have been uh, more up to speed and been thinking about Mister Brisby and things. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? I, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, 
Call me a cynic, but I'm sure this has to do with the length of the trade collection of the first I volume. You're right. And, yes. uh, yeah, that's what I'm guessing. We'll find out. But, you know, this might mean, Chris, that the fourth issue, which traditionally is the dead issue. Is the recap, yeah. But maybe it'll become the great issue. Maybe that, that, oh. that he's turning the formula on its head. Might be. So <laughs> that that's exciting in its way. <laughs> Not, not $4 exciting. Anyway, uh, what did you give this one on the site, Chris? I, I gave this a uh, – I, I still think it's a strong score for what we get. I gave it a 6 out of 10 because, uh, like I said, what, what there was here, I enjoyed it. There yeah. just wasn't enough to justify the price. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm right there with you because it's not a junk book. It didn't make me angry. I didn't feel like it was a, you know, total ripoff, you know, because yeah. the quality is there. But it's, you know, it really is a – you know, keep stay on for the ride kind of kind of thing. I don't know. Keep punch your ticket for another go around or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. So, uh, of course, we will be here for the next one, which I guess will be out in four weeks, unless Diamond wants to take <laughs> take another <laughs> trip to Disney World or whatever it is they did or not in that company. But uh, next week we have a book. I know we're all looking forward to checking out. That's the Dreaming Number Five. Mm-hmm. See what's going on in the land of the Dreaming with uh, Judge Gallows and uh, all those guys. And where we leave it, we left it with uh, Dora. We left it with, uh, with the wall being put up and uh, and, and Do- uh, Gallows kicking everybody out, right? And Dora did something too, right? Dora ended up, Dora ended up with um, uh, Lucius in the uh, Destructions realm. Remember that that's we have all right. The... That's so right. that's the thing. That's the thing we're looking to find out. I feel like I really mm-hmm. feel like it's like because it was last year. Technically, <laughs> I feel like it was months ago though. It was a long, like, long time. It was like five weeks ago, but I feel like I was like a little kid when I read that. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, Happy New Year, everybody. Of course, yes, Happy we New are Year. Glad to be back, and uh, we will be coming back to you every week, I presume, unless things go mm-hmm. haywire. Uh, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris, got anything else for him? No, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it dreamy. See ya. He don't hang around with the gang no more. He don't do the wild things that he did before. Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have here the flagship book for you today, number five of The Dreaming by Simon Spurrier, Bilquis Everly, and Abigail Larson, both of them on art and inks. Matt Lopez and Quentin Winter on uh, colors. Quentin Winter. 
Hmm. What do you think of that? That Chris? almost rhymes. That is yeah. a good. That is a good name. That is a name. Quinter Winton. You can yes. do, you do a lot with that name. <laughs> so uh, as we open the book, a Glob, if you remember, that was the Madball-looking fella, and the rest of Judge Gallo's adherents, uh, which now number in the several dozen, from what I can tell, uh, in the dreaming are misusing the Baku. That's the beast that Gallo's used to eat Ziggy. The last issue. Uh, it's a dream eater, the Baku, by the way, meant to bring equilibrium, and that's a running theme in this issue. You'll hear about that a lot. Anyway, they're using the Baku to torture information from prisoners, which is not the original design. So the dreaming itself now looks like a barren wasteland, kind of reminded me a little bit of the fields of World War One, like you know, with the, okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was like really, really like a wasteland, and and then like, yeah. I think the uh, the barbed wire in front of the gates also gave me that impression. Um, Eve leads a team of rebels that want to have a few violent words with Judge Gallows over this, and Mervyn, Pumpkinhead Janitor, tries to keep the peace and justify the fact that he brought Gallows to the Dreaming in the first place, but Eve says his time to talk has ended now. The time for action is here. Yes, and uh, when, Leave and her, when Eve and her large crew reach the Dreaming's palace, they're blocked by the Wyvern and the Griffin. Uh, you know, this is what they do after all. That's right. They're block the guards. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Wyvern says that they can't be admitted to see Judge Gallows. And then Eve reminds the Wyvern that she repaired his injuries just a few issues ago. But she doesn't say that. Uh, now, the Wyvern says that they may enter, but he has to tell Judge Gallows that they're coming. He doesn't, however, have to tell Gallows that they're entering from the secret entrance around the back. Uh Uh-huh. Judge Gallows, for his part, is still up to no good. Yeah, we'll get back to him soon enough. So, uh, meanwhile, in former Destruction's former realm, which is that place that looks like it's exploding all the time, uh, Dora and Lucian are still just kind of chilling out. Literally, Dora's just yawning. She seems bored. (laughs) Lucian is cracking up completely. He can hear the dream speaking to him while Dora cannot, and the captions we read, the narration... That seems to be what Lucian is hearing. Uh, So the dream is sort of narrating what's going on, maybe, or he's going crazy. Maybe both. Yeah. In Destruction's realm, there's this sword stuck in the ground. Only the chosen something or other can remove it, of course. Uh, Lucian says it's a symbol, really. The sword isn't important. See, this realm has to do with beginnings and endings, and it's actually a, a realm that's in a state between the beginning and ending of things, and the sword can bring equilibrium to that, and, you know... There's that word again. So Dora tells Lucian, stop pining for that former dream lord. He's a jerk. And uh, Lucian's acting like an abused lover, which is actually, I think, quite apt uh, for sure. the, way, the way he's behaving. I mean, he's like in a fetal position, crying, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, dude, you know, this guy left. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going <laughs> to... You got to move on. You got to move on, bro. You know what I mean? It's like, best way to get out from one dude is to get under another. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, so Dora says some unkind words for the rest of the Endless as well. That's uh, kind of her way her potty mouth is. Lucian says she's just salty because Dream never helped her as promised. But, says Lucian, how can she be helped when Dora won't admit she is broken? Then Dora has uh, had all the yapping she can stand. She grabs the sword. And this sends a vicious shock right through her, bringing about flashes of memories. And this is where she recalls first hearing that she was not real. Seems to have something to do with a man who had sweat on his throat. Chris said <laughs> yeah. that. I don't know what that what that's about, but all right. A man with a sweaty throat. That's what we're looking mm-hmm. for. Uh, then Dora remembers the time that she met the original Morpheus, the uh, black one, the black hair, black outfit one. Uh, he promised that she didn't need to be scared anymore, and he helped her after some personal disaster. Uh, I'm going to think it was the... Original You Are Not Real incident, Chris, maybe? I'm not sure, really. Probably, yeah. Something happened. Uh, 
And Dream said that she was once a splendid and dreadful thing, but now she's locked her mind and memories away. So Morpheus says he'll have the Dream and give her a present every day, and these are the broken teapots and doll's heads that Dora <laughs> sticks in the branches of her treehouse. Morpheus explains that Dora will cherish these things, though she won't know why, and these are the items that will unlock her hidden memories. So now they have to go back to the Dreaming so Dora can get her groove back. Yes, and Lucian points out that, hey, it turns out Morpheus did actually help her just in a roundabout way. Uh, She begrudgingly agrees, but he didn't need to be such a creep about it. Uh, (laughs) Very uh, arse backwards. Yeah, really, you know, what is that, you know? (laughs) Killing me with kindness over here. Yes, uh, anyhow, it's time for them to head home, but uh, Lucian, he still ain't doing so well. Uh, Things are pretty problematic in the Dreaming as well. We return there and meet up with Eve, Matthew the Raven, and the rest of them. They've breached the library, and there they encounter a green gas that knocks them all out, and also the grisly sight of what Judge Gallows has been up to. Using some magic he read about in the library, uh, Gallows has plugged into 144 lucid dreamers, and these are folks with mental problems, mostly. Yeah, we kind of dealt with yep. this, what was it, issue two or three, they kind of talked about... I think ha- two issues back, yeah. Having to having to cope with men- with these lucid dreamers and their, their dreams leaking out into the, the world and stuff. Into like the that. conscious, yeah. Right. Now, and with this setup, he can actually simulate the powers of Morpheus. Gallo says he's doing it in preparation of the Cubist sculpture that appeared out of the rift in the second issue, that blocky thing that just right. showed up in the sky. Uh, now, that's the one that screwed up Cain and Abel also, if you'll remember. Uh, but really, Judge Gallows likes being all magical, we figure, right? Yeah, that's he's, what I think. He's really getting into this. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> into the face of all this, uh, says Judge Gallows, the rest of them ain't even worth a rope. I like that line. That was like, whoa. Dude, you're yeah. not even worth hanging. And I'm Judge Gallows for criminy's sake. <laughs> if anybody likes hanging, right? Gotta uh, figure. So <laughs> back to Destruction's realm. Dora and Lucian are trying to stroll through a portal back to the Dreaming. But Lucian's barred from going through by Judge Gallo's magic that he's now, like, kind of wrapped up the whole realm in. Uh, Dora tries her best, but Lurian just won't get, Lucian just won't get through. And he's become more and more unstable. He looks like a real, he looks like he's a junkie looking for his fix, to be honest with you. Like, he's a he looks total very mess. itchy. Yeah. Very much, yeah. Uh, so she has to leave him behind because she deserves to know who she is. Uh, and when she vanishes, Lucian falls for a long, long time. And I gotta, I gotta give this... Book one big piece of credit, Chris. She doesn't say I'll come back for you. That's true. She makes no no promises. She has to do nope. her thing. Lucy and so long, sucker. You know what I mean? Sucks to be you. Uh, and that's I was like that, and that's in keeping with her character. I think you know what I mean. It was like sure. I, think, I think there might be an impulse to do that to make her seem nice, but she's not. That's not who she is. And you know, that's a, I think we're moving past Lucy and now is what this uh, what's going I think on so, in this yeah. book. Uh, so anyway, as Lucian falls, like I say, he falls for a long. Long time, we learned he was once a raven himself. He was promoted to be a librarian, but that doesn't keep him from hitting the ground super hard, like smashed his body, is dashed to a, a sack of bones, basically. Uh, there, Daniel Dream, that's the one in the white outfit with the white hair, is waiting for him. Lucian thinks everything's going to be okay now, but Daniel's just there to say goodbye. He says he's the one causing the imbalance in the dreaming, and the longer he stays, the worse it gets, so he needs to leave. And also, Daniel essentially tells Lucian he's pathetic, and probably won't see him again, you know? <laughs> kind of kind of burns him a little bit, I think, you know what I mean? I guess yeah. he sort of tells it like it is, but he's like, oh, you never really you never really got it, did you, buddy? You know what I mean? You were always just a sycophant or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but he is proud of Lucian, and then he leaves, kind of literally walks like into the sky on, you know, uh, like a Care Bear type thing. And then Lucian 
Uh, he looks real dead to us, right, Chris? Yeah, he he looks he looks like he ain't gonna recover from this. I, this one. I know this is the dreaming, and you know the wacky things could happen, but he looks pretty bad to me. So uh, I do think we are. You know, this is that this is our new stage of dreaming. We're wiping away some of the old and uh, ushering in the new. And I'll just say, for my part, my and because of my familiarity familiarity with uh, the original Sandman, I like this issue quite a lot. But um, what, what did you think of it, Chris? Well, without that uh, familiarity with yeah. the original lore, uh, a lot of the uh, equilibrium bits uh, were kind of lost on me. Mm-hmm. Um, for what it was as a story, it was kind of uh, it was just another chapter for me. It really the significance of everything was just not there. And I, I don't say that uh, like I'm not against that in a way because I, I do appreciate that this book is uh, really paying off. To loyal readers, to loyal fans from the long ago, um, but uh, you know we are at the at the fifth issue of the new volume, mm. so I, I should I should have a little bit of an attachment by now, I think, yeah. and I don't. You know, what it is, I think, is that for me, I, there's a you know the entire the entire beginning of the original Sandman is about that that Sam that Morpheus is what we'll, I've been calling him as kind of the original yeah. black bodied Sandman. The one who kind of looks like Neil Gaiman. <clears throat> one of the more look, looks more yeah. like Neil Gaiman, and then Daniel <laughs> looks like I don't know some blonde kid, but uh, it looks like the little prince. Actually, ever read that book? But, he does. Uh, yes. Uh, so the original Morpheus, he had been uh, kind of bound by a ritual and kept out of the dreaming for uh, even says it in there like seventy something years, you know, almost eighty mm-hmm. years. And in that time, the dreaming got very hectic. So when he comes back, the first thing Dream has to do is put things right. So this happening, this this dis, this destruction of the dream, of the realm, is familiar to me and readers of it. You know what I mean? And I think we understand sure. the import of what that means when the steward of the dreaming is not there, when the helm is not there. Things get crazy, obviously, but that has not been imbued in this in this series so far. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, I don't think you've been. You know, like we see Daniel at the very end, and that's really a oh snap moment. But mm-hmm. it's not because you only saw him once. You, you don't even know that guy. You know what I mean? Like you only yeah. saw him once before. You don't know who he is, what yeah, he I does. Saw him, I saw him in metal for a page or we two. We saw him there. That's right. I <laughs> forgot. Uh, but I mean, but as far as this series goes, you don't. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Okay. You you obviously you realize it's bad that he's not in the dreaming. Is, but but I, yeah. So what is that? So now he's. What does this mean? So. Uh, that hasn't been properly uh, imparted in, in this five issues, I think. And I think I think that by the fifth issue, you may not feel the same way that I do or on someone that's read the other one, but you should sure. have the same reactions to the same moments in, the, in this yeah. story, and you're not. And uh, I think that's a failing of it. You know, frankly, that's, all, that's really all I have to say about it. I'm not going to, like, belabor the issue. Sure, uh, sure. It's, uh, we both thought the art looked a little hurried. Uneven. In parts, and the fact there are two artists, two colorists, colorists, probably tells some of that story, and you know it happens. But it's all, it's all within the same. It all looks right. Same you know tonal. I mean? It's fine. Yeah. Um, and I liked it a lot. I really, I had a good time with it. And I felt like this was a good setup for a final, uh, you know, confrontation, showdown. a showdown. Yeah. Hopefully, it is primarily between characters that have been introduced in this series. You know, Dora and Gallows. So. Hopefully that'll work for you. Uh, Hopefully. 
all the way. If, but if Dora, if Dora loses a little bit of her mother panicness, <laughs> I, I mean, the cursing was cute at first. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Oh, but it was just like every damn bubble. She is angry. She is angry. Oh, it was just enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like if, they, if she's gonna curse that much, just let it fly. Just let him go. You know, just like uh, don't don't cover him up so much. But anyway, um, I on the site, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it now. I gave it an eight out of ten. Where do you think you'd be with this? Seven. Yeah, I think that's, that's more than fair, quite frankly. I think even if you went a little lower, I, I think that was fine. Just considering uh, it, but I, I think seven's good. You know, it, it, I think this book's had still had some good moments. Not a ton of action. No, you know, no, not really. But, you know, this Vertigo is not a series you're looking for. Uh, I was going to say, was there a whole lot of action in the original? There's, there's seeds, you know, there are seeds, hmm. but no, it, it's not It's not a punch em up, you know, it's not that kind of sure. It's more of an ethereal, I mean, you do get that, that uh, moment when Dora remembers her memories and we kind of get an ethereal two-page spread of, you know, Morpheus and all that her stuff. Her being spoken to, so yeah. That, that's the kind of art you expect in a Vertigo book of, <laughs> you know, floating <laughs> heads and uh, Ditko backgrounds. That's the kind of thing we need. So, um, yeah, I dug it, and I'm looking forward to that next issue. Next week, we have every reason to believe we will be sitting and reading House of Whispers number five. And I Sure hope that book does. You notice that uh, earlier in this series, in The Dreaming, they kind of referenced the House of Whispers. You'd see it in the background. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Not so much. No. Nope. They're not no. talking about it anymore. Because <laughs> yeah, you figure they'd be all tied up in this whole gallows sure. taking over thing, oh right? I mean, it's, it seems like The Dreaming has been cataclysmically changed, you know what I mean? It's it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is not what, this is not the place we saw in the first issue. This is a uh, severely messed up place, so... Uh, so I, I'm guessing that the, the House of Whispers is probably going to get out of the dreaming pretty soon, right? Because uh, so, maybe yeah. it's all, maybe the whole the whole run of House of Whispers is in, like, in between issues one and two of this. So. I have a feeling that's, that's gonna, I mean... I don't know if they'll ever actually address that, but I think that'll be the implication that it's a... Uh, It'd be wise not to. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just like, let the people draw their own conclusions is sometimes yeah. the best course. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nah, it'll do it. Well, the next time, folks, I want you to keep it uh, dreamy. See ya. Hey, yo, you feel that shit? Yeah, it feels good. Well, it's that thumping well, shit. Well, I'm soaking too. I introduced the split. I'll be the go. I'll be the get. Fixing with the ends for the outs we set. Hey, shorty, make no mistake. I challenge the bang for a bigger rum cake. Well, I bugs like roaches on rugs. Speaker of the bones like the speaks in Malone. Give me the night, baby, I'll be good in the woods. You're freaking my mind, you're freaking my mind. I told the mace to about the days that go. I know he knows what you got. Welcome back to the Sandman Universe segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have a shh, whispery title for you. Oh. It's uh, <laughs> House of Whispers number five by Nalo Hopkinson and Dan Waters, Dominique Domo Stanton and Aneke, and John Rauch on colors. So uh, if you remember the way we left off last issue, Shakpana. 
has made it into Habibi and Lumi's house, uh, where I think they were getting ready for school, and he's menacing them something fierce. Remember, he took over that guy's body on the street yeah. without asking him. Uh, Shakpana wants that book back. Uh, that's the one that's spreading Kotar's delusion everywhere, making everyone think they're dead. Uh, he has more efficient uses for it, I guess. I don't know. He's going to spread extra pestilence. When the girls sure. when the girls are near Shakpana, <laughs> or the guy Shakpana's possessing, you can see they get a little bit sick, right, Chris? Uh, the yeah. black veins kind of grow along their extremities and their faces get a little sallow. So mm-hmm. it's like just being around him makes you a little bit a sick, but uh, I think once he touches you, you're done is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Habibi distracts Shakpana by squirting glass cleaner in his face. Uh, they grab the book, take off, though Lumi notes that her dad is still in the shower. Habibi says this thing doesn't want dad, and they hot-foot it out of there. And outside, the sisters talk about who they're going to call. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Are they going to call Ghostbusters? Well, if they're available, maybe. Uh, frankly, they could probably use them in this situation. You know, no job too big, no job too small. Right? <laughs> you know, no, no Loa. <laughs> no newer, no Loa too big to... Uh... <laughs> anyway, so... But Habibi has figured out that this creepy guy trying to grab the book is connected with whatever made her older sister Latoya come down with Kotar's delusion. She's a smart little girl. Yes. Now, speaking of Latoya, she's walking into the apartment now. Uh, She's talking on her cell phone with her father, explaining that she doesn't know where her younger sisters currently are. Got Miss Turtle there with Toya, looking to see uh, her girlfriend Maggie. And uh, when they get inside the apartment, Maggie is there, and she is pissed off. She knows that Latoya has been passing along Cotard's delusion. Remember, she was touching people and all that stuff. Uh, they take a look at the nightly news, and it's uh, it's caused a little bit of problem out there. Uh, problem problem being, people think they're dead, and uh, when they're not, has caused some to actually commit suicide to rectify those feelings. Uh, folks are also behaving more recklessly, assuming that really there's no point anymore. Uh, some are uh, actually carrying out bloody vendettas in the wake of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Worse yet, each person with Cotard's delusion passes it on by touch. So you got to figure that problem is growing exponentially as as they touch more and more people, and they touch more and more people, and they touch more and more people. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) You tell two friends, and you tell two friends. (laughs) Uh, Now, Maggie blames Latoya, but Miss Turtle explains that Chuck Pana is the one to blame. It's his plague book that fell out of the dreaming or, or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, she's the one. Touching people, right? She's the one saying... She's got to take a little bit of the responsibility. This? That's, her, that's the whole thing, yeah. right? But uh, just then, Habibi and Lumi come rushing into the apartment, all excited. They explain what happened as best they can, and then just as suddenly, their father just shows up behind them, naked, wearing only a towel. He grabs the book from Lumi without asking, and that's when it's revealed, revealed that Shakpana possessed their father without even asking him. Which also is without even asking, something. yeah. He's a very rude fella. Uh, in the dreaming, uh, we switch over there. Just Madame Dantor and Uncle Monday hanging out, and Dantor regrets sending Shakpana up above. Uh, she knows he's up to no good. Uh, regarding all the wayward souls gathering around that rift, Uncle Monday surmises things must be getting really bad up there. Though they're probably heralding something even worse that will come through the rift. So, thank you for that exposition, Uncle Monday. Uh, we know <laughs> to expect something now. Madame <laughs> Madame Dantor looks for other members of the dreaming to help them out. She finds a scene where, and is this a fairy tale? I don't know, Chris. It's some fat monk playing cards with puss in boots. Am I right? I don't know. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It I don't know if like that I, has I, any kind of uh, like, relevance. Yeah. It's, even, it's even like the Disney puss, puss in boots, too. Like, you know, he's got like literal <laughs> boots and a swashbuckler yep. and everything. Um, these, the, the, these members of the Dreamings don't trust her. They think she's the cause of the Dreamings' problems, and they actually mention the whole Judge Gallows thing that's going on in 
the comic book, The Dreaming. So there's yeah. there's the connection there, and that's it explains why they might be paranoid because things are going crazy in the dreaming in people, right now. Yeah. yeah. So they they figure the new the new people brought it. Uh, Puss in Boots draws his sword on Dantor, and she leaves, but another personality is struggling to emerge. I mean, another Ezruli, maybe? I don't know. I don't even know what that means, right? Chris, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I remember Shakpata saying that she, she was full of Ezrulis, but I thought, a lot Ez, of I thought Ezruli was a name. I don't, I don't know. What do I know about anything? I, feel, I really feel like I'm at such a deficit with this book. Uh, For sure. As Dantor stumbles around, an old man with one arm as a goose's wing finds her, and uh, he knows who she is, a shapeshifter who probably brought that trouble to the realm, just like the other Puss in Boots thought. But Dantor knows who he is as well. Yeah, she tells his story uh, that he was one of uh, six princes that were turned into geese by a wicked stepmother. Uh, their sister said about weaving six shirts that would restore the princes back to humanity before some coronation thingy or, or whatever. Something like that. Uh, yeah, the point of it is uh, the last one shirt went unfinished, and so he still has one goose wing. Uh, and in telling the story, Ezruli Dantor changes once again to yet another Ezruli. This time she is Ezruli Red-Eye. Uh, this is a taller, sterner-looking woman with an ornate crown and, uh, as you might imagine, red eyes. Good name, good name. Yeah, right. yeah, it says right what it is on the tin. Uh, now, Uncle Monday says he'll go through Lucien's library and get a book that will tell them how to get out of the dreaming. All right. So, uh, Shaq Parna, back in, you know, third dimension... His soul within the girl's towel-wearing wearing dad chases them around the uh, apartment. Miss Turtle steps in between them, and she gets touched by uh, Shakpana. This makes her human skin start shedding and causes a big explosion. Out on the street, Madame Azruli's Napoleon costume-wearing husband, who actually is a ghost that's possessed a willing uh, adherent. Participant, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's out there looking for clues, and seeing the set for a zombie movie... Somehow he surmises that Shakpana is at the bottom of this. That's like a very Batman 66 thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah, A little bit. I, I see a zombie movie, therefore that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> and, but he can also smell Shakpana, too, it seems. That sort of is another clue. Uh, Napoleon guy does some massive leaps to find Shakpana. He just kind of jumps <laughs> like, like 20 feet in the air. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on his way, a gigantic turtle soars overhead in the other direction, and a naked man runs along chasing it. This is Shakpana in the girl's dad's body. So uh, Napoleon Husband thinks that's a pretty unique thing to see, and I, I agree. For uh, sure. The giant turtle is Miss Turtle, now free of her human form, and she's got Latoya, Maggie, Habibi, and Lumi in her mouth. She uh, flies through the air, getting bigger and bigger, splashing into the water, which causes a great wake. Shakpana runs right to the edge of the dock, cursing Miss Turtle all the way, and that's when Napoleon Man gets a clue as to what's happening here, uh, which was good for him, I guess, because uh, I don't know, but that's cool. Uh, he heads over <laughs> to Shakpana to talk to him and to keep this giant wave caused by Miss Turtle crashing on shore, which wasn't clear at first, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. I think that's what it was, yeah. Uh, but Shakpana is able to touch Napoleon and send his soul to the dreaming, or rather, really send the soul of the person willingly possessed by Napoleon, dude. So now he's the only soul in the body, and now he can't leave that body or it will be dead, I guess is the idea. Shakpana uh, <laughs> leaves in ghost form while the wave crashes down on that Napoleon fella. He somehow takes the brunt of it, and uh, he's okay. 
just wet, a little bit dazed, a little bit stunned and surprised, and he's suddenly drawn into the rift that literally and hilariously turns his body into a corkscrew spiral. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. He's like a, like a sentient pasta. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> now, meanwhile, Shakpana is causing trouble all around the world. In Nigeria, San Paulo, San Fernando, Trinidad and Tobago, uh, there's a great pestilence claiming many victims uh, who fall into the streets. It's uh, just that old Shakpana magic. Yeah, right? hey, all right. <laughs> now, in the dreaming, the gathered souls begin humming as if they weren't creepy enough already. Now they're humming. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Monday says, uh, wait a minute, he says he'll go to Lucian's library and get the, <laughs> that, the Dreaming for Dummies book that he mentioned earlier, right? Yeah, well, uh, hop to it, buddy. I don't know, what are you waiting for? <laughs> library closes at five. You know, you better have... Really, guys, I'm going to go get it. You know, I'm going to go get it. it, dude. I'm going. <laughs> it's like, hello. <laughs> Uh, so now off the coast of Louisiana, Miss Turtle swims underwater until she comes to an archipelago where she she beaches and takes her place as an island. That's what she mentioned she was. I think that was last issue, right? She said she I was an so. island, so here yeah. she is an island. Uh, she's also a giant scary turtle with huge pointy fangs, but she's still cool. Don't worry, she's, hmm. she's, uh, she's cool with these guys. Miss Turtle explains that she failed the mission that, uh, that Madame Ezruli uh, or Dantor or Red Eye, whatever you like, <laughs> sent her on. Uh, and they're like, Madam Who now? What are you, what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Habibi produces some pages from the Shakpana book of Dreamed Up Diseases, says she tore them out because she knew the book was bad. And then through the rift and into the dreaming falls Napoleon husband. And the caption says Lord Shakpana is, is there too, but we don't see him. Yeah, they didn't feel like drawing him in. There it is. Or they they just they they forgot that he was also. <laughs> it's like whoops. It was like whoa. It's like <laughs> I'm right behind him. You know. Uh, yeah. So that was a lot of stuff, huh, Chris? A lot of really cool stuff. A lot but, of uh, things in this book. Yeah, a lot cool of cool things. things. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what the hell is going on. No. It's, no, it's a bit of a mess. It feels so steeped in this lore and legend, and and this is where I think finally where I can say you can't read this uh, without knowing you, you won't get a you won't get the proper appreciation you for know? it without knowing the Israeli lore from mythology or whatever it is i mean i don't know that you will if you do know it but <laughs> i know that true. you won't it's if you true. don't you know what i mean like because i'm at a point i'm like what in the hell is that you know yeah okay as really changes forms and uh, what does that mean like that's that's my thing like and every time the stakes lower that's what it, you know. What you're very right about that. Like, yeah, th- there's less there's less happening in the dreaming now than there was two issues ago or last issue. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. almost like they they seem fine. I don't see what the problem is here. You know what <laughs> I mean? Just like, out. what, what, are, they, what are they? What are they? You know, just just chill out. What are you worried about? Uh, yeah, the stakes really do have gotten lower and lower, and like the meaning of things have become less and less. Um, like I I, I like the idea of a. Hopping Napoleon, I love that. Sure, I love a giant flying turtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even like, you know, the possessing people right out of the shower and making them run around in towels. But those are just <laughs> like scenes, cool scenes that I like in a book that I couldn't tell you why they're connected or what they have to do with each other at all. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I to me, best case scenario would be if this. I mean, I you know I, I've been wrong before, but I, this series would end next. Not not because it's it's bad, but hopefully they could just put a bow on it. And here's a full story. And then if you want to read it, do a little wiki 
read right yeah, on you, that. you'll need yeah you'll need a you'll need a uh, a, a sidearm to get through this right. it, it, might, uh, it might be it might be good going in with knowledge of that you know what i mean i, I just don't know if i we don't know anything yeah, about it like this is really red eye if we had any context for what this is in right. the mythology it might have been like oh wow that's cool yeah but now like, it's just like okay, she changed again. Well, like, yeah, and, and it, she'll it, change to something. It's like we'll have this big problem come, and then oh well, there just happens to be an Ezruli for that, you know, and and then she'll fix it. <laughs> who, who does nothing? That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Ezruli red eye, if we knew she shot lasers out of her red eyes, I'd be like, oh, awesome! I can't wait to see her shoot lasers out of her, <laughs> you know. But oh, for all I know, she she got like a little bit taller. And she, yeah. got, and she got red eyes, and her clothes changed, and that seems to be all that happens. She gets she has a little meaner too. It's like. That's yeah, she's a little bit more stern. That's yeah. all, really. She's a little, little, little crueler. So, uh, you know, it's I, I, I can't come out of this book fit saying that I hated it, but this is definitely, I tell you, if we weren't reviewing it, I definitely would be done with this book uh, oh, by, yeah. by now, if not the issue before. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to it's gotta have a real strong finish for me mm-hmm. not to tank this uh, score later. But for this issue, I gave it a 6 out of 10 because it was functionally there. It's just confusing. It is, yeah. It's quite confusing. It's uh, I think I've been using this uh, criticism for a lot of the Sandman universe books, but they just feel like a collection of vignettes that we don't know where they're attached or if they're attached. Yeah. It's just a lot of cool imagery, a lot of cool uh, little little nudges, but uh, heads or tails, I, I haven't the foggiest idea. What we're, what I don't know what the stakes are, if they're even if they're even something that's going to be fixed or even needs to be fixed, or if this is just the evolution of what the story is going to become. I. I just don't know. I think six is a very fair score for this because it is, it isn't something I hate, but it is below average. I yeah, think. yeah. You know, probably on a meaner day, I could probably go down another half point. But sure, six, six will do. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. It, it, sometimes I say like, eh, you know, if you're reading along, you want to stay on. I don't think that's true necessarily, but. Uh, <laughs> it's know? like, yeah, you would. There's so little, so there's so little cohesion where it's like. You could get as much out of this picking it up blind almost. I think so, yeah. I think you just grab an oh, issue off the shelf. You yeah. Know? I'll tell you, if you if if you wanted to see a uh flying turtle, this is the one to get. That's, this is the this book is your for issue, you. So yeah. if you only um, read one flying turtle comic this month, <laughs> make it this one. Make sure it's this one. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, that's that's really all we got for that. Next week we've got a book coming up though, huh, Chris? We do. It is Lucifer number four, or maybe we can call it Lucifer. Mm, that's what I want to call it. Sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of vignettes strung together, we got a uh, Lucifer oh coming out. So we'll be talking about that next week. But I think that's all we got from this week. There's coming else for him. That'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it dreamy. See ya.